When I say the word family, what comes to mind? Family. You think about that. You know, you think about families. There are certain, certain characteristics, certain things you do, certain things that you are that, that kind of characterize and make you family. Think about your family. When we, when we talk about other families, we often talk about them with some kind of description. Oh, they're the family that has five cats. Or whatever, you know. They're the family that's got that teenager drives way too fast in the neighborhood. We, we have things that we describe families with, little phrases, little descriptors, because every family has distinctives and something that makes them unique as a family. So what do you think about when you th- hear the word family? One of the things I think about is the six different families that I've been a part of in my lifetime. The first family that I was a part of, I was only a part of for about ten months. See, my mom got pregnant. She wasn't married. She's about 18, 19 years old. And uh, so she carried me to term. And after I was born, she gave me up for adoption. And that was the first family that I was a part of. Now, that is particularly important to me on a day like today because today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. There's There's a little flyer in your bulletin. If you picked up a bulletin, it talks about some of that. And I just want to encourage you to remember that one of the things we stand for here is that God wants us to be a people who protect life from conception to the last breath he gives us. And that is incredibly important to me personally because of the first family as a part of. You know, I'm sure that there were people back then when that happened that looked at, at that young lady and thought, she's the girl who got pregnant. Well, all my life I've thought about her as the young lady who made a very challenging decision and gave me up for adoption. And I'm so thankful for her decision. The second family that I was a part of was the family where my mom and dad, who adopted me, uh, brought me into their family. They couldn't have kids. And uh, so they decided they would adopt, and they went out, and uh, they found me. Um, And I won't go into all the details of how that happened, but they chose me for whatever reason. I'm grateful for that, but they chose me and made me a part of their family. And then a short time later, they actually got pregnant. And my sister entered our family. So it was my dad, my mom, me, and my sister. And uh, we lived, when I was a little guy, I was born and raised for the first several years in Kansas City, Missouri. And we lived in a neighborhood, and our house was on a hill. And one time when I was a kid, my dad decided that he would, he would build a, an above-ground swimming pool in our backyard. And so he uh, was able to obtain an above-ground swimming pool through some bartering with some work he was doing. And uh, I went with him the day he was going to check this pool out to buy. And I remember to this day standing there as a kid seeing this thing. There was trees growing in the middle of it. And I thought, how in the world is this going to work? You know, and then, but my dad had this vision of having a, a pool in our backyard. And so he, he bartered and got that pool. He, and he had to dig out a portion of our backyard because it was built on a hill. So he had to dig it out and level it so he could put that pool in there. So he did all this work, got the pool set up. as full of water. It's a big four-foot deep, big round pool. I mean, tens of thousands of gallons of water in there. And it was great. We swam in it, played in it. It was wonderful. And, and, and one night at supper, we were sitting at the kitchen table, and we hear this noise, this whoosh. He had failed to get it level enough. And the next thing you know, the tidal wave of that pool is rushing down the hill of our neighborhood, knocking people's fences out, carrying their dog houses to the end of the neighborhood. I mean, it was unbelievable the damage that these, this tidal wave caused. So I'm sure in our neighborhood, we were known as the family who created the tidal wave. Um, so, so anyway, and we had a Siamese cat too. 
No relevance whatsoever, just another characteristic of that family. So, so the, the, that was the second family I was part of. Now, the third family I was a part of was a little bit later in life. My mom and dad, who had been following the Lord, um, my mom decided she no longer wanted to walk with the Lord, and she didn't want to be married to my dad, and so she divorced my dad. My dad moved out, and uh, I became a part of a family where I was living with my mom and my sister and uh, several different men along the way who came into our house um, via my mom's destructive lifestyle. And we defined dysfunctional. I mean, it was a mess. I got to experience multiple divorces with my mom and men and marriage separations because of drugs, alcohol, abuse, and a whole host of other dysfunctions. The police would show up occasionally at our house because of stuff that was going on domestically. And, uh, you know, here I am, uh, you know, 14, 15 years old, and the cops are showing up at your house because your house is a complete wreck. I mean, how many times does it take for the police to show up in your neighborhood before you're labeled as, that's the family that's really messed up. The police are always there. I mean, that was us. And uh, that was kind of our family. That was the third family I was a part of. The fourth family that I was a part of was a family that was in the church that I was attending. It had grown up in since we'd moved to this location. And... Uh, this family came to me, family of four, came to me, the, 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 mo- the mom and the dad came to me and said, if you ever need a place to go, we're here for you. And uh, when I was a junior in high school, I'd had all the dysfunction I could handle. I needed to leave. And so I moved out of my home and uh, moved in with that family. And that was such a wonderful time of healing for me because that family loved the Lord and honored the Lord. And one of the things that set them apart uh, in their the way they did family, was every single morning, um, they had a particular time you had to be at the breakfast table. And you had to show up there because they were going to have breakfast and a short devotion and some prayer time together as a family. And, and I, at that point in my life, I couldn't even remember anything Christian in my family. I'd had so many years of dysfunction. And it was a great experience of healing uh, in being in that family. Um, the fifth distinct family I was a part of began my senior year of college. Uh, I was at Texas A&M my senior year, and I was one day at the Baptist Student Ministry building, and I ran into a young lady around noon whose name was Lindley. And I fell in love with her and convinced her to do the same towards me. <laughs> and uh, we, we got married and had uh, two kids, I mean three, three kids, and we spent the last 20 plus years together enjoying life. And uh, Lindley is my best friend. And I, I love the fun we have together as family. We were talking last night around the kitchen table about one of the things that I think sets us apart as a family. And it's that we love to take family vacations together. We're sitting there with Lindley's parents talking about all these years of amazing memories. And those are so formative and meaningful for our family. And uh, that kind of sets a distinctive for us. The sixth family that I've been a part of is the one that matters the most. It's the family that has given meaning and purpose to every other family I've been a part of. Even the one that was so dysfunctional. This sixth family has given purpose and meaning to that so that I can now be thankful for those years. This sixth family I became a part of when I was around seven years old. 
And I made a decision to trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. When I made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, God brought me into his family. And over the years, the love and the support and the encouragement and the challenge and the sense of belonging and purpose that has come to my life through God's family has shaped my life. The Bible talks about us who have decided to follow Jesus as a family. That the way that we are to think of each other is as brothers and sisters with God as our Father. We're family. We're not a club that you get to join for a fee. We're not an organization that you come to to receive a service. We're not an educational institution. We are first and foremost a family. I want to read to you a passage of scripture out of 1 Peter. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verses 17 through 19. Now, we're taking a little break from Hebrews today. We'll be right back in Hebrews next Sunday. But today, I really wanted to talk to you about what it means to be a family as a church body. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work. Okay, let's stop right there. If you call God father, if, if you're a part of the family of God, then remember that God, your father, is the one that's watching what you do. He's paying attention to how you live. He's noticing every little thing you do as a part of his family. All right, continue on. For this reason, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. If you call God your father, he's paying attention to how you're living as a part of his family. For that reason, live like you're in his family. That's what he said. Now, the motivation for living this way, the real motivation, the real freedom to live as a part of God's family is because you know how you became a part of God's family. You knew what it took. You know what it cost. You knew how come, you know how come you're a part of God's family. Look at the rest of that, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The reason that we are in the family of God is because Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. We didn't merit it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We did everything not to deserve it, and yet God gave us his son so that we might be forgiven of all our sins and brought into a family we have no business being a part of. He brought us in. And if you call God your father, then live as a part of that family. Live that way. Here at Southside, we are a family of believers. We are members of one another. What that means is that we have made a decision together to do faith in Christ as a body of believers. If you're going to be a part of this family called Southside, 
You've got to become a member of our church. Why, why do we do that? Because it's, it's membership is kind of like the same thing as taking a family name. You ladies in here that are married, when you decided to get married, you took on someone's name to display that you are now a part of his family. That's what church membership is. It's a biblical concept where you are publicly displaying that you are a part of God's family. Think about it like this. Local church membership is the biblical way that you express your membership in God's family. There's no other more biblical means for expressing your membership in God's family than through membership in the local church. And so if you're going to be a part of Southside's church family, you've got to be a member of our church. You've got to publicly say, I am expressing my membership in God's family biblically through joining with this body of believers as a family to walk with Christ together. If you're going to do that, there's a couple things you have to do to be in this family. One is you've got to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just like I did when I was a kid. I decided I wanted to follow Christ the rest of my life. And that brought me into his family. And then I expressed that reality through functioning as a part of a group of body, a local body of believers. If you want to be a part of this church family, you've got to decide, I want to follow Christ. Then you've got to decide you want to get baptized. Because Jesus says that if anybody follows after him, you've got to be baptized as another public display of being a part of his family. So you've got to be baptized. Now, something we provide for you here at Southside are some classes called SSBC 101 classes. There are three classes designed to help you know more about what it means to be a part of this church family. You can see those classes listed out on the front of your bulletin. They're offered every single month, and their classes just help you to know what kind of place you are going to get involved in if you say, this is the place God has called me to express my membership in his family. And we want you to go through those classes and find out what it means because we want you to be well informed when you make a decision that this is where I need to express my membership in God's family. That you know what that means and how to do it. When you make that decision to join this family, be a part of this family, you go through those classes, you figure out what all this means and you, you make that decision. You're joining a family who has an agenda. We have an agenda to do what God has called us to do. And we believe in this place that God has called our family to make disciples in Abilene and the world as we live out the love of Jesus Christ through being a family of believers. That's who we are. That's what we're trying to do is to help people become followers of Jesus Christ, disciples. What is a disciple? Well, any of these, these students here with these T-shirts on, if you'll ask them today, what is a disciple? They'll tell you. They worked through the, the, a disciple's curriculum, the Word of God, a disciple's commission, being called to go out and tell others. about. They work through all this stuff about discipleship. They can tell us. They can get up here and tell us all about it. Let me summarize what it means to be a follower of a disciple of Christ into four statements that you heard earlier this morning. To love Jesus, to know truth, to dig into his word and to know more about him. To serve others because Jesus Christ has served you and to reach people for Jesus Christ because he reached you. That's what it means to be a disciple. And this church family is really bent on helping others follow Christ as we live out following Christ as a family, a community of believers. That's what we want to do. When you make a decision to be a part of this family, you know what you do next? 
You just kind of do your part. You just live as a part of this family, doing your part to move us towards those purposes, to enjoy this community together. You need to do your part. Have you ever been a, a part of an opportunity or a scenario where, where you were required to do something in a group setting, a group project or a family project, and everybody had a responsibility in that group project, some project at work, some project at school? And did you ever have somebody that just didn't do their part? You just want to go in and knock them around a little bit and say, come on, you got to do your part because if you don't do your part, I'm going to have to take up the slack. And if I don't take up the slack and nobody else takes up the slack, our whole experience is going to go down the tubes. we got to all do our part here. You know, family is best experienced when everybody's doing their part. And I just want you to think about the thing that makes us distinct in the world in a way that God can be glorified is when every one of us is doing our part. I just want to give you four big ways today you can do your part. Four big ways. And you can find these listed out in this little flyer in your bulletin. There are four things listed at the top of that flyer and then some decisions that you can make today in response to what I'm saying. I want you to just pull this little flyer out and look at that as we go through it. All right, number one big way you can play your part, we're going to call big and small. Big and small. Now, what does that mean? Well, when we gather together as a family at 9.30 or 11... On Sunday mornings, or we gather together in February on the first Wednesday of the month, or March, April, or May, the first Wednesday of the month, we get together at 6 p.m. for corporate worship. That's our big. That's when we're getting together to do the big worship as a family. Well, if you're going to do your part, I want to challenge you when you walk into this place, walk into this place with family in mind, with the fact that we're family. So when you walk in here and you sit down where you sit, notice who's sitting around you, just begin to pray for them. Lord, I pray that you just encourage them today and speak to them. Maybe you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, you go up and talk to them, and you're not just going to talk to them about what they've been doing lately. You're going to talk to them about how have they been with the Lord lately. So you can think about it in terms of family. How can I encourage? How can I relate? How can I love? How can I be involved? How can I serve? You're going to do this big in a way that takes into consideration that this is a family gathering. The way you respond to the Lord when we're singing songs, that has to do with your family. If, if one of you is sitting there during the singing time and is doing a crossword puzzle, that affects the family. It is not real positive. I mean, unless it's a Bible crossword puzzle, then I guess it could be okay, but, but it, it doesn't really help us. What, what helps is if you're responding and engaging in a way publicly that encourages everybody else to worship. Now, I recognize that some of you may not like to sing as, as well as others like to sing. I mean, I personally love to sing when the music is loud enough that I can't hear myself sing. That's when I really love to sing. Anybody else like that out there? I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not like McKenzie up here, belting it out, going crazy. That's awesome. I love that they're up here doing that. But I want the music to be so loud that nobody else can hear me. That's why I sit on the front row. Nobody's in earshot of me. All these guys have things in their ear. I can just belt it out. You know, but, but here's the deal. Whether you like singing or not, that time frame in our worship is for us to publicly respond to the glory of God in a way that everybody's encouraged to respond to the Lord. We, we've got to do this as family, right? Big. Okay, small. We want everybody here to be involved in a small group. We've got all kinds of opportunities for you to plug into small groups. You can get in a care group. You can get into Sunday school class, a Bible study, a one-on-one discipleship opportunity. We've got a lot of ways you can be involved in a smaller context. 
Listen, you will never experience family in this place like you're intended to experience it until you also incorporate into your involvement something smaller than the big. you got to do it. And so figure out a way that periodically you can plug yourself into a smaller, relational, more intimate time where you can be encouraged spiritually at a level that you really need to be encouraged in that relational way. you got to get the big and the small down. That's how you can do your part. All right, the second way is to keep the secret. Keep the secret. All right, here's what I mean by that. When the Bible describes our walk with the Lord, there is a large element of our walk with the Lord, our journey of faith, that has to do with, with what's happening publicly. All right? But there is a degree of our faith walk, our faith life that needs to be kept secret. And here's why. We need to have some time in our life regularly and consistently when we are expressing love for God because simply we love Him. Because we need Him and we want Him. There needs to be something happening in the secret places of our life, in the times when nobody is around and nobody's paying attention and nobody's paying, giving us praise or, or adulation about what we're doing. We're just, we're just loving the Lord because He's lovable, because we need Him. There's got to be a secret walk with Christ in your life. And if, if you look at the secret part of your life and it's just full of sin and there's no devotion to God there, then our public is not going to be very good. But there's something happening secretly in each of our lives as we pursue the Lord. It's going to radically affect what we do together. I'm going to tell you how in just a minute. But first of all, I want you to see how Jesus illustrates the importance of this. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about three areas of our lives as illustrations for the importance of having areas of our life where we are doing something just because we love God. Not because anybody else notices And the three areas are giving, praying, and fasting. Those are the three areas that God wants us to be living out a secret devotion to Him just because we want Him. Now, it's very difficult to give, uh, and and it's it's very difficult to pray, it's very difficult to fast without anybody ever knowing that you ever did it. It's virtually impossible. I mean... If you're going to give on a regular, consistent basis, it's virtually impossible for someone not to know you're giving because someone's got to be the receiver of your giving. So Jesus is not telling us that if someone finds out you're doing any of these three things, you've blown it. There's no secret life there. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you need to be doing things in your life before the Lord just because you love the Lord. And here are three things that can encourage that private, secret, devotional life. One is giving. I just want to encourage you to recognize and remember that the generosity and the gifts of each member of this church family is essential to the life of this family. We, We can't accomplish and we won't accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish as a family unless we are all faithfully, sacrificially, joyfully giving towards the purposes that God has given us as a family. We've got to be giving. I just want to encourage you to make that a part of your life privately, secretly, that you're cheerfully 
giving to the Lord as he enables you to give. Our SSBC 101 class goes into detail about that, but I just want to encourage you to recognize that's one of the ways you can demonstrate to God, I just love you because you are lovely. Be a giver. Prayer. The Lord wants you to pray. There's nothing wrong with praying with people, and you need to pray with people, but there's got to be time in your life when you are in a closet, so to say, praying because you just need to talk to the Lord. You want to talk to the Lord. You have to speak to the Lord. He is who you need. And you just find yourself praying. And no one ever really knows that you've done it. You need to be praying. And then the last one is fasting. It's a great way to develop your passion and your love for the Lord. If you've never fasted before, and I suspect there's some in here that have not fasted, if you've never done it before, you can take up a 24-hour fast. This is your first experience of fasting. Certainly, I wouldn't want you to do it unless you talk to a doctor if you have any health issues, but this is an easy way to do it. If you, don't, if you eat supper tonight, and you don't eat food again until tomorrow's supper, that's 24 hours, you miss two meals, and you've done a 24-hour fast. Then during the breakfast time, you'd ordinarily be eating, And during lunchtime, you'd ordinarily be eating physical food. Instead, you're going to take that same amount of time and feed on spiritual things. So you're going to read your your Bible. You're going to spend some time in prayer. It's you're substituting for short-term your physical needs with more of your spiritual sustenance because you want the Lord to have your heart. That's, That's what you're doing. You know why it's so important for a family of believers to regularly and consistently have the secret time of your life? Because Jesus says that your heavenly Father sees what you do in secret and rewards you. Do you know what happens in a church where everybody is really just doing the public thing and they get the rewards of recognition by being involved in the public arenas? You know what happens in a church like that and that's all there is to it? That church becomes divisive and broken because they do not have the reward that God gives. All they have is what people can give. And that's not what we need. But if a church will be developing the secret places of their lives and they receive the reward that only God can give, it will dramatically affect our experience together. There will be nothing that will keep us from being unified. No division will prevail. There will be no challenge will be too great. No, dis, no tragedy will be, uh, that will be without comfort. We will experience family in a level that will blow our minds. But it only happens when we keep the secret. The next one is to go public. You've got to go public in the way you live your faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't just live for Christ in this place. You've got to live for Christ everywhere you are. Everywhere, your neighborhood, your workplace, your classroom, your school, everywhere you go, to the grocery store, to the sporting goods store. I mean, how do you go to the sporting goods store and buy a pair of shorts and make sure people see Christ in you? I mean, that's a challenge, but that's got to be our mentality. So when we go into the place, we're looking at people who are shopping. We're thinking about how can I pray for them? How can I show them Christ? You're looking at the cashier thinking, who today has shown them kindness? Or has everybody just kind of walked through the line expecting to do their duty? Who today has talked to them, engaged them about the Lord? And you're going everywhere you go, living to be seen as a follower of Christ so that people who see Christ in you might find Christ as well. You've got to live for Christ everywhere in all you do. You've got to go public. 
In addition, for living to be seen, you've got to share your faith. You've got to talk about it. And here's my passion for 2013. This is what I'm so fired up about for this year for our church body. I want every single person in our church who's made a decision to follow Christ as a part of our church family, I want every single person in 2013 to share the complete gospel message with someone who has not heard it before. Someone that you've never told the gospel to, someone that you're not sure has ever heard it, you get to share the gospel with them. I want every person in our church to do that once in 2013. That's my heart. I feel that the Lord has laid that on my heart as a passion for us this year. And we have somewhere around 500 people attending our worship services in any given month. If, if we just assume that 500 of people that are coming here wanting to follow Jesus Christ, then we're going to have 500 people in our community that hear about the gospel in 2013. That is awesome. And what really excites me is that some of you are not going to just do it once. Some of you are going to get fired up and do it twice. Some of you that do it twice, you're going to think, this is so amazing, I'm going to do it again. And next thing you know, you're going to have shared with 10 people this year about Jesus Christ. You know what I think is possible? I think it is possible for our church body to share Christ with 1,000 people in Abilene in 2013. Could you get excited about being a part of something like that? 1,000 people. Let's tell a 1,000 people this year about Jesus Christ because we're a family that's going public. We're doing our part. The last thing is to be first. Be first. Here's what I mean by that. Be first to support leadership. Be first to hear someone's concern and respond. Be first to see a need and meet it. Be first to see an opportunity of service and step in and fill the need. Be the first to forgive someone, even if you don't feel like they are worthy of being forgiven. Be the first to show someone honor who you think deserves no honor. Be the first to show someone comfort that is in need. Be the first to take a meal to somebody who has a situation they need support and concern. Be the first to show love. In other words, love as a family. We're not an organization. We're not a club We're not a service center. We are a family. And we've got to love like a family. That's not easy. But man, what a goal. Do you know the Bible in 1 John says that the way we love each other in this place either authenticates our love for God or exposes us as a fraud. God wants us to be family. And he wants our love for each other, even in the hardest of moments, be an authentication of our love for him. Because if people see our love for him and our love for each other, they will most definitely see the love of Jesus Christ for them. And that's what this is about. Love is family. Be first. Never forget when I was in first grade, my first grade Sunday school teacher awarded me my very first Bible. I mean, I had a Bible, but I'd never been awarded one. I got, I got an award at Sunday school, and it was a Bible. I, I remember going to my parents and saying, look, I got a Bible in Sunday school. And I was so excited about getting that Bible. You know, I've, ne- I've never forgotten that. And, you know, that's getting further and further away as the years fly by. And, and you know what that tells me? That somewhere along the way, somebody in the family helped me see that God's word is an award. It's valuable. 
When I was in eighth grade, I had a Sunday school teacher took all the boys in the class out camping. I love being under his direction because this was the man that first introduced me to fly fishing. Changed my life. Awesome. Now here I am, decades later, and I can't even list the number of men that I have had out on a river expressly because I wanted them to know Christ. That happened because of that man. When I was in 10th grade, I had a youth pastor that came alongside me because I was struggling with my walk with the Lord and how to figure out what it meant to follow Christ in ministry. That man's wise counsel has much to do with me being right here today. In the 11th grade, I had a family in the church take me in and make me a part of their family. I mean, I'm, I'm one dysfunctional dude. And if it wasn't for that family, I'd be a wreck. I mean, God blessed me. As a freshman in college, I had a pastor. My pastor showed special interest in me, spending time with me that he didn't have to spend. Shaped my heart. When Lindley and I first got married, there was a man that was, had been married for years and years and years who was in the church who came alongside me and said, hey, you need to do a little bit better at loving your wife. When Lindley and I had kids, man, when, you, when you get little kids running around and you don't have a clue what's going on, you need some help. And we had other parents that come alongside and say, it's okay, it's okay to go through this. It's okay to feel like you're messing your children up for life. <laughs> Just keep loving them. I can't tell you the greatest day of Lindley and I's parenting life was the day that we were told that kids before they're about three or four years old don't remember a thing that you do to them. We were like, praise God, we have hope. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. Somebody in the church helped us. It's been people in the church that have confronted me and rebuked me and encouraged me and loved me and supported me. It's the family of God because God is our Father who has shaped my life. I'm just asking you this morning, are you ready to do your part? See, because the reality is that every single one of us needs to be a part of God's family. And when we are family, it will affect us all. And it'll touch the world.